Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Well, let's introduce our, our guest today. We are so excited to have her. Michelle Karen, an internationally renowned exclusive astrologer to the stars at the 78th Academy Awards in Hollywood and clients in over 42 countries. A lecturer and best-selling author of Astrology for Enlightenment, and her books are in French, Finnish, and English. She's written countless articles and has been sought-after guest speaker at numerous events, radio shows, and television programs throughout Europe, Canada, and the United States. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. French and Finnish-born, Michelle became aware of her psychic medium gift as a child and became a professional astrologer at the age of 14. She obtained her master's degree in philosophy with honors at the University of Geneva, Switzerland, on the role of archetypes in the meaning of human existence in the works of Carl Jung. Um, Michelle earned a diploma from the Faculty of Astrology astrological studies in London, and her graduate studies were in medieval Harari astrology. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Paula and I had the extraordinary privilege of meeting Michelle where she was a lecturer, and before everyone, this dynamo, I mean really, lecturer and astrologer cut to the chase. Um, illuminating what is just around the corner, and we just had to have on today because we're heading for the end of this marvelous year very quickly and stepping into 2013. Well, Michelle, uh, your life has certainly been packed full for you, and uh, just listen to this. She has a professional degree in yoga. She has studied classical piano in the conservatories of Paris, Geneva, and at the American University in Washington, D.C. Uh, with all of her accomplishments, she must be well over 100 years old, but we know she's <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> well, actually, if you count all my you know, past lives, we're probably all a few thousand years old. <laughs> well, you're pretty well preserved for being a thousand years old. Thank you, thank you. Thank you're you. All, you're, you're an actress and a model. I mean, what more can you do? You've appeared in several Hollywood movies and uh, a member of the National Black Belt Club in Taekwondo. Oh, wow. She serves abused children through free art, and this list this keeps on going and going. And, and yes, on top it off, she's a shaman. <laughs> <laughs> well, how exciting is this? Um, We're so lucky to have you with us. Um, well, I'm very honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Taz and Paula. I really appreciate this. And you're headed well, we for you're... you're headed for a per, uh, Peruvian journey pretty soon, aren't yes, you? Yes, I'm actually leaving in two days for a mi- mystical journey in Peru, uh, starting on the 12, 12, 12, 12, and ending on the 23rd of December of 2012. 
And on the 21st, we're going to do a special ceremony at the Amumuru door by Lake Titicaca that um, has a whole legend connected with 2012, uh, where a golden disc of Lemuria was um, brought by Aramumuru, the great master of Lemuria, and buried in the crystal city that's inside the lake. And actually, on certain days, you can see on Google Earth the walls of the crystal city, and you can see when you sleep by Lake Titicaca, you can actually see UFOs coming in and out of the lake. And this special door is a temple. It's a temple. It's called the Temple of the Fifth Dimension, and it's a wall door uh, in a rock that's carved. It looks a little bit like the facade of a large house with no windows and a wall door. And when you stand in that door and extend both arms on each side, you can touch the sides of this door. And there's a little indentation for your third eye. And people have been seen to disappear in this door. And um, people who have come back have related amazing stories of going into the Crystal City and seeing amazing things there. And um, and actually, that golden disc has incredible powers. And it's not just a legend. It's a true story because it was seen to be hanging in the Temple of the Sun in Cusco before the conquistadores arrived and um, because, you know, they were after the gold and this was very special. It was not, I mean, the, the Incas didn't really care about gold because, of course, they cared about it because it was, but they had such an abundance of it that it didn't have as much value as it has for us today. Whereas the gold disc of Lemuria, that was not just a gold object. That was... An object, it was like a computer of incredible powers and encoded with incredible light and and information, and it could absolutely not fall into the wrong hands. So it was seen to be hanging, and you can still see the place where it was hanging and the hooks and the size it had, or it still has. But now it's in the lake, and uh, it will emerge according to legend when humanity will have reached a higher level of consciousness and be able to use it with integrity and consciousness and properly, which I believe is happening now. This is where we're getting, and that's the whole meaning of this end of the year. And that's why everything is happening so fast, you know. <laughs> it feels like we're in a whirlwind, like everybody's life is upside down and everything is being shaken up and dramas are happening left and right and everything that was not true is being revealed. So it's a very, very powerful time now. So, I are you expecting to see something um, <laughs> out of this world when you're at the lake doing ceremonies? Not necessarily, because I believe it's still a process, uh, and I actually have another trip coming up in Peru in uh, July of 2013, which I still soon will be announcing on my website, michellecaren.com, two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, K-A-R-E-N.com in January. I will be announcing that. But, you know, it's a process because although uh, the 21st of December 2012 is a very major date in the evolution of humanity, we're really coming at crossroads. We're coming at, quote, quote, the end times, which, which doesn't mean the end of the world, by the way. You know, people get very scared and they think, 
oh my god that's it it's over but it's not it's not it's the end of the old consciousness and a critical mass of people around the globe because this is a global revolution are going to awaken and have been in the past years decades awakening to their true divine self this is the time where we are reaching the mass um, turning point, but it doesn't mean that the world will be radically different on the 22nd of December. You know, there will still be, you know, the banks will still be there and the medical system will still be in place and a lot of things that will probably dissolve in the next years will still be there, but the breaking down of it is going to accelerate after 2012 because that's a time where so many people will awaken, that so many people will say, what the hell are we living? What? Why are we going through all this? Why do we have scarcity? Why do we have, you know, people will start asking the real questions and stop just going through the motions. And because there's such an acceleration and now is a time of integrity and co-creation and knowing who we really are in our divinity and not just being divine beings having a human experience but being divine beings having a divine experience, then now is a chance, um, you know, it, it just won't fly anymore. Certain things won't work anymore. Certain lies won't be possible anymore because people will see right through it and say, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right, this this is not right, this is not how I want to live, this is not the way I should be living. And and it's massively that things are going to change with all of us together. And it's a time of co-creation. The Hopis who have also, as the Mayans, very strong prophecies from the, for this time, said uh, very aptly that we are the ones we have been waiting for. So it's about us. It's about us awakening. And once you have a, a bunch of millions of people across the planet who are becoming enlightened, who are uh, becoming aware of their psychic abilities, their capacity to manifest miracles, their capacity to create financial abundance and anything else that they want in their lives, well, that's pretty uncontrollable, and that creates a whole new reality, and this is the meaning of the end of the Mayan calendar, that beyond 2012, we will not need a calendar because time is collapsing as we know it, and we are experiencing it right now. We think of something, it happens. Um, you know, there is no real separation between past, present, and future. We are becoming aware that by transforming our thoughts in the present, we shift our future, but we also shift our past, and that time is not linear the way we always thought it was. It's circular, and now we're entering in this mystical, circular, sacred time. You know, Michelle, let me let me just ask you a question. I'm talking about Peru and everything, and and I I was on your website, and you you said something about all of the temples were built under particular planets. Can, that was just rather interesting to hear that. I I never thought of that. And so, would you tell a little more about that aspect? Yes, you know, it's it's there is actually an astral um, 
astral geography on the planet and temples were always aligned with certain especially in those ancient times where they were very aware of the cosmos and astrology was absolutely part of daily life it wasn't this little entertainment page on magazines you know on the back page of magazines it was really something that people took extremely seriously and because astrology is the language of the star astrologos it's the language of the stars and it's really the divine language it's the language of being in the right alignment with everything in our lives and with ourselves and um and uh, for example if you take all the um the cathedrals and the you know the, uh, the cathedrals in France for example and you draw a line between each of those cathedrals you will see the constellation of Virgo and of course Virgo is connected to the virgin virgin mary and the whole symbolism of that so it was aligned. They were built in very special spots and in very special ways because those vortexes on which those temples were built were, um, you know, sort of acupuncture points of the planet where cosmic energy was tremendously focused and could shift the people who entered the temple in a whole different way and accelerate their evolution, accelerate their understanding. And the temples in Peru, you know, it's pretty spectacular because some of those temples like Saskatchewan, for example, which is right above, <clears throat> the temple right above uh, Cusco, and which is said to be actually an Atlantean uh, temple, and it's very spectacular because the rocks are enormous, weigh each a few hundred tons, and there was no way they could have been brought on any any anything in any way. And then they were built and put together with no mortar or no cement whatsoever. And you cannot even put a sheet of paper between the rocks. That's how tight and perfectly fitted they are. And this all happened with sound. It was the the science of sound and using sound to lift uh, rocks and defy gravity and be able to bring rocks from very far away and fit them as a laser together. So all of this we are rediscovering, you know, this whole spiritual archaeology and those temples are still alive today and they're still vibrant today and they're not dead places, because when you go to the, all those temples in Peru, you never feel like you're in a dead city and it's just rocks put together. You really feel the presence of the Incas. You really feel the magic of the earth. You really feel um, they're talking to you and they're absolutely alive and they're even more vibrant than ever. And they are sharing their wisdom and their knowledge. And now we are becoming ready to receive all of that that we left all these incarnations ago and for these times now. And now it's about rediscovering our own past, rediscovering our own truth. I know that uh, many people are starting to do toning and uh, sounds now more than ever. So we must be going back to uh, who we are. Absolutely. Like crystal bowls, that's an amazing the uh, de- recent development that goes beyond the usual traditional Tibetan bowls 
and that you know bowls that are infused with uh, crystals and crystalline energy and that have amazing harmonics so now it's about vibration and that's what's so amazing about this time and that's what was also very powerful about the Mayan calendar is that the Mayan calendar is made of signs but it's also made of galactic tones so it's an it's uh, each day is connected to a specific sign and to a specific galactic tone and the galactic tone is interesting. There are 13 galactic tones in the uh, Mayan calendar, which is connected also to the 13 crystal skulls, to the 13, um, I don't want to say the 13 signs, because there is actually no 13 sign, and I know there's been a lot of talk about that. But actually the 13 sign is included in the 12 signs because if you add any two signs together you add up to 13 and 13 in the tarot is a card of death and it's not the last card of the tarot meaning that death is only a transformation but it is not the end of a cycle it is about shifting to a whole new level letting go of an identification with an old conditioning in order to be reborn in consciousness. And this is exactly where we're getting at now. We are being reborn in this lifetime to our truth. So it's a chance to truly become enlightened without having to die and be reborn and go through the whole cycle of uh, reincarnations. And it's also a lifetime where we can achieve immortality and have a lifespan that goes way beyond the regular 80 or 90 years and where, you know, we end in dementia or Alzheimer or all sorts of um, debilitating illnesses, but we are able to regenerate our body at a cellular level. And toning sound used with consciousness in the proper way is immensely powerful. Well, well you, go ahead, Tess. I was going to say, this, this is going to take me then into asking you, since you're the best-selling author of your book, Astrology for Enlightenment, um, how did this book come about for you? You've written several but this particular one, um, can you tell us how it began for you? It's actually a funny story. Um, it's a very funny story. My father died um, about had died about six months prior to the writing of this book, and my father was a very famous journalist. Uh, he was Finnish, a very famous journalist for Helsingin Sanomat, which is the biggest, largest uh, Finnish newspaper. And he was very famous, and he had written himself uh, several books. And after his death, I was very close to my father, and my father had always told me that he would uh, give me a proof of reincarnation. He was very, very um, entranced by reincarnation. It was something he studied very profoundly. And um, not only did he give me a proof that there is life after death, but he actually had many conversations with me after he died, which is... Some of them are on my website. Um, if you go to michellecaren.com, there is um, a tribute to my father, Lauri Karen, and uh, there is excerpts of some things he told me about the afterlife. And one of the things he wanted me to do was to continue writing. So I had written already several books, but... Um, you know, I had sort of stopped because when I moved to the States uh, from Canada and Switzerland, I really 
did not know honestly in which language to speak, uh, in language to write. I had always written in French, and then I had also a book in Finnish, and I wasn't sure I could write in English, um, and yet it felt like the logical thing to do, but yet I had always written in French, so it was a more natural thing for me, to, the language to write in. So there I was, you know, wondering in which language to write, and then I felt that I had said everything I had to say. I didn't feel that there was anything else that I wanted to write about. And I was giving this, uh, I was, I had also stopped completely giving conferences because I used to give a lot of conferences in my 20s and I was on radio television a lot. And then I completely stopped because I just felt, you know, again, I had said what I wanted to say and I was done with that chapter. So I went underground for about 20 years and I just lived my life and was very happy doing so. And then it so turned out that um, I met Dr. Todd Ovokaitis from Gematria.com, uh, who actually asked me to start giving astrological presentations to his seminars. And at first I was a little reluctant to do that, but then, you know, it was only half an hour a year, so I could handle half an hour a year of fame. <laughs> and so I went back uh, to speaking, and then at one of those uh, events, there was this lady who started following me around, and um, one day she called me and she said, I've got a book deal for you. And I'm like, well, that's very nice, but I'm not writing a book right now. And uh, she said, well, um, it's a book deal with Simon & Schuster in New York. And I thought, whoops, <laughs> Simon & Schuster. Uh, I might review my position. And actually, I had had this book in me for a long time, the astrology f that became Astrology for Enlightenment, because my... My feeling was that astrology, and, and I was lucky enough to start when I was 14 because it's a very deep, intense study that takes years and years to master and literally thousands and thousands of readings to get to a point where you're really comfortable because it's very mathematical, there's a lot of implications. It's, uh, it's not, you have to have a very um, detailed and, and synthetic mind at the same time. You have to have a very special brain in a, in a way to do astrology well. And I guess the fact that I had been exposed to so many cultures and languages at such an early age, I guess I had that kind of, you know, very unusually open brain. <laughs> so um, so I started writing that book. Um, so I basically had a deal, book deal, without having a book. And then I had to write that book, which was great because I functioned very well under pressure. And if I had been left to my own device, it still probably wouldn't be written by now. <laughs> so I was literally pushed, and I really saw the hand of my father on the other side wanting this book to come out and creating all the circumstances for it to happen. And that book is very unusual in the sense that it's, um, you know, I, 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 it's funny because I, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just, I had this concept that we should be able to rediscover on our own the basics of astrology. And that astrology over the years has become very psychological. And in old books, you will find a little mention to the, you know, the crystal associated with a sign, to the color associated to a sign, and that's pretty much it. 
And actually, if you dig into the books of the Middle Ages and more ancient uh, astrology books, even up to the 19th century, a lot there's a huge amount of information on other things, on animals, on on different associations with each sign. And I started to compile all of that, and I found myself in an absolute mess because all the books were contradicting each other, and clearly authors had just been, um, you know, just copying what they had seen in some other book, and the result was like mayhem, absolute mayhem. And it took me at least six months of going systematically through every single list I could find and uh, and really compiling and really checking what made sense and what didn't and uh, really get to lists for each sign that were absolutely uh, coherent, plus new things, because, of course, in the 19th century, the Internet didn't exist. What what who rules the Internet? You know, what planet, what sign? And it was interesting because I found that there were so many different uh, topics. There was, you know, the uh, there was crystals, but there was also colors. There was shapes. There were tastes. There were animals. There were plants. There were herbs. There were, um, I mean, you name it. Everything had an astrological signature. And once you start to understand the astrological signatures of everything that's around us, then it's very easy to learn astrology because it's not like a bunch of psychological explanations you have to memorize. You, Everything in your environment is going to be an astrology lesson all the time. And then it gives also profound meaning to everything we are doing all the time. And then it also became clear that we are not just one sign and one, um, you know, we are all the signs and all the planets. And when we start to understand that and you see how each sign can use the other 11 signs for empowerment, then it gives a whole richness to life, and we are not just in a one-dimensional reality. We are in a multi-dimensional reality, and we can access that at all times and become all that we are in our divinity. And that was really the purpose of this book, and when came the time to figure out the title, um I came up with astrology for enlightenment because that's really what I believe astrology is for. And unfortunately, in recent years, it has become astrology for entertainment. Um, and actually, astrology is a very powerful tool. It's a very amazing way of knowing ourselves, understanding the cycles we are in, understanding what is asked of us at any given time, and using those uh, cycles to further our lives in alignment with our highest destiny. Because it's exactly, to me, an astrological chart is like the GPS of a car. And actually, interestingly enough, I'm also the voice of the uh, navigation system in Hondas in French, um, <laughs> which I, I find very ironic because it's very, very in alignment with what I'm doing as an astrologer. And uh, and so because basically, once you have your chart and you know 
and your chart is a map of the of the heavens for the time and the place and the date of your birth, then um, it's unique to you and it shows exactly your life and how it can unfold. And it still allows you tremendous free will because it just guides but it doesn't determine. You know, with the same ingredients, you can burn your cookies or make a sumptuous cake and it's still the same ingredients but it's how you use those ingredients. And the nice thing about knowing your chart is that instead of randomly driving around and hoping to get to some destination, you can plan your trip and say, well, I want to go to this restaurant, I want to visit this museum, I want to get to my destination faster through the scenic road. And and that's exactly what a chart will give you. It will give you a chance to map your life understand where you're going, why you're going there, and how to get there in the best possible way so that your journey was absolutely worthwhile and enhancing and enriching to yourself and to others. Do you do personal oh, charts now? I do personal readings, yes, I do. So if you go to my website, I do also shamanic sessions, astro- uh, you know, personal shamanic sessions. So yes, absolutely, and it's very interesting that the readings I do are more about uh, are life readings. So it gives you the cycles you are in, um, insight into past lives and the purpose of this lifetime. Uh, Cryon, the channel truly Carol, very kindly said that I was um, I was reading uh, the Akashic records directly through astrology and bringing a higher dimension into this dimension through my readings. Um, it actually explained a few things for me because I, 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 I can do, I'm reputed to be able to do correct readings with wrong data, <laughs> and which was an absolute mystery to me because as an astrologer, you know, you're absolutely based on the date of birth of someone, their time and their place of birth, and you erect a map that's mathematical and every astrologer on the planet will create the same map with the same coordinates. And even if somebody had given me the wrong year or the wrong time or the wrong whatever, um, the reading was still correct, which made no sense to me. But when I got this channeling, it actually explained what this was going, why this was happening, that to me the chart is a portal. And although I'm reading the chart, I'm also reading through or beyond or, or something else. It's like yeah. almost a door yeah. that connects the threads. I don't know how to explain like it. It's a very interesting process. I like your correlation between GPS <laughs> and astrology <clears throat> because I think that might give people an idea of different roads to take and the whole thing. And you know, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I like that you say that because, you know, some people say, uh, you know, we get sometimes stuck in a situation and we want so desperately to get through and do it a certain way. And we don't imagine that maybe there's a whole different way. You know, it's like the bird caught in a box and who's sitting against the walls and doesn't realize that if he looks up, the, you know, the ceiling is open and he can just fly out. <laughs> And an astrology reading will show you where the box is open. And, you know, and, and not everybody is meant for, you know, like somebody, for, for, for things that we are expected to want. Like if you look at the chart of Elizabeth Taylor, uh, she was not meant for marriage at all. And then look at her. She divorced, what, eight times? Well, 
guess what? You know, if she had had an astrological reading, uh, probably the astrologer would have told her, well, maybe there's a different way of relating that doesn't involve marriage for you, and that will be much more in alignment with the need for excitement and breaking up and making up. That's part of your fundamental need when it comes to relationships that you need to constantly renew yourself and constantly seek a partner who is also renewing himself. And that would probably have saved her a lot of divorces. <laughs> so, well, do you think she really would have listened, though? Well, well, probably she wasn't ready because she clearly didn't consult an astrologer if she did that I don't know maybe she did but um, you know it doesn't matter I think sometimes it's about hearing something and then when the time is right for you to really implement that understanding or you're ready for it then it will you know you will remember it and uh, and it's not always on the spot that you realize it and sometimes there are things we need to go through those experiences to realize Wow, this is really not for me. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Sometimes we do need to take the long road to wake up, and that's fine. Sometimes but people, I, I was going to say, sometimes people will tell you to do something and whatever, or you tell someone to do something, and then the person doesn't even listen or react, and then about maybe two or three weeks later, somebody else will tell this person the same thing, and then they react. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, and the, yeah, it's really strange. It takes the time to open up whatever the channel is to to go into the brain. Absolutely. And you know, I believe in divine timing. I believe that we are ready for something, and before we're not. And there is a divine timing for everything, and we just need to have no attachment to the outcome. I mean, as an astrologer, I I see things that I tell people. But then if they don't follow my advice, I don't take it personally and it doesn't matter to me. You know, what matters is that I'm honest with what I'm seeing and I share what I'm seeing. But then what the person does with that, that's their call and that's their that's their decision. You know, that's their free will, basically. And there's no attachment to that, you know? Well, it's like when you read them. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um... Michelle, let me ask you a question. You're, you became aware of uh, your psychic mediumship, like as a child, uh, at the age of fourteen, or maybe younger than that. Is there a particular aspect you can tell us about that took place with you when you realized you were psychic, and at what age did you really realize you were? Well, you know, I think we are all psychic, to be honest. Uh, for me, it started with mediumship. I had all my life, and it's becoming intensified now that um, my father recently, I mean, died six years ago. My sister um, was killed in a hang gliding accident a few months ago, and uh, many close people to me have been dying recently. And, um, you know, it started with mediumship for me. I, I I don't know, I just saw dead people and I communicated with them and it just was so natural that it didn't strike me as something strange or unusual or not normal, you know. Um, and then I asked to be shut down because when I was a child it was just 
first of all, it wasn't interesting, and then it was creating some weird dreams, and I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night. I mean, I wasn't controlling it at first, so it was very scary, not so much to me, but to my environment and my family, who had no idea what the hell was going on, because nobody was like that in my family. And um, already astrology was not even really tolerated, you know. Um, So, I mean... And then when I discovered astrology, I was 14, and it was through Linda Goodman, and I still admire her as probably the greatest astrologer that ever lived, and I'm very blessed. It's funny because I so wanted to meet her in person, and the day I moved to the States, she died, and that was so interesting to me. Maybe you can communicate with her. Maybe. And you know, the funny thing is that when I got my book deal with Simon & Schuster, I found out that this was her first publisher, was Simon & Schuster. And I didn't know that either. So there's been a lot of parallels between our lives, and I'm feeling that. And she was such a... Her books I've read probably over the years, thousands of times, and uh, they're still a source of incredible knowledge because she had the genius of making very esoteric and profound wisdom available in such a simple, popular way that it's accessible to everybody. And yet there's so many layers in the way she writes that you, if you read between the lines, you can get amazing, deep, ancient astrological wisdom from her writings that look like popular books. And when I was 14, my father went to New York for an assignment, and he brought back this book, and I devoured it. And I decided on the spot this was going to be my life. I was going to be an astrologer. So imagine this 14-year-old girl who tells her parents she's going to be an astrologer, and they're like, what? What is she talking about? So although my parents believed in astrology, they didn't believe in it as a career. (laughs) And, um, And then I taught myself on my own. So I was under the covers every night and I was reading all the astrology books I could find my, put my hands on. And at the time we were, my father was shipped to Washington DC on assignment. We lived there for three years and that was heaven for me because in France we didn't have half of the books on astrology that existed in English. So I was going to every bookstore, every library, and literally getting my hands on every single book and devouring every one, taking notes. And then very soon I started doing readings for everybody in school. So all the kids in school after hours could call me with their problems, and I had the chats of everybody. And, of course, that didn't make me very popular because I was never invited when they were having fun, but... I knew just too much, you know, <laughs> and I was a serious Capricorn girl, you know, who was just, you know, studying and not having much fun. But this was fun for me. It was really, um, it was, it was my love. I was, I was in, in bliss, and I loved understanding the planets. And for me, the planets, the sign, were just friends. They were living beings. They were, they were alive. They were not just, you know, symbols on a paper. And they talked. I mean, it was amazing. Like, when I read a chat, it's like the chat starts talking to me. I don't know how to explain it. It's such a profound experience. And then, um, you know, when I was 17 and I finished my high school, the French I was in the French school, French high school, uh, and came time to go to university, my parents said, well, what do you want to do? And I was, I didn't even understand the question because it was so clear to me. And I had been studying so much. 
uh, and I knew so much already. And um, now there was screaming in the house, that's not a job, and what are you going to do? And uh. So they said, anyway, do whatever you want, uh, but get a master's degree. We don't care in what, but just get a master's degree. So at first I loved languages, and because I spoke several languages, because of my upbringing, you know, I thought interpretation could be a nice road. And I studied that at Georgetown University, and then when we moved back to Geneva, Switzerland, um, it became clear that this was going to be very time-consuming and, um, and that it was not necessarily the highest path for me. And then I had to start all over because they didn't recognize any credentials from Georgetown. Um, and um, so I decided to go into linguistics, and linguistics led me to philosophy, and I ended up getting my master's degree in philosophy uh, when I was 21 on Jung, and I was very lucky to be able to write my thesis on Jung, who was not that popular in Geneva, because Geneva was very dominated by Piaget and uh, regular psychology. So... Um, and to me, it was fabulous to journey through the work of Jung, whose daughter actually became an astrologer herself, uh, because I journeyed through legends and myths and um, an understanding of the subconscious and an understanding of dreams and an understanding of mandalas and art. And it was such a rich world that I discovered with Jung, which actually has very much informed my my work as an astrologer and I believe also led me to shamanism. Uh, it, it's partly what led me to shamanism. <clears throat> so it was, um, so I was very lucky in that way. And then when I was 21, I started, you know, people, I don't know, it just started. People started to ask me for seminars and conferences and and that led to a class that I led for several years and to readings. And then I was interviewed on radio. And I was like this 25-year-old girl, you know, showing up on radio. And <laughs> I had published my first book when I was 21. And um, and the, I remember the radio host, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> she, when she saw me, she said, okay, you can tell me the truth. Who wrote your books? And I said, I did. I didn't even understand her question. And she said, no, 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 nobody your age writes like that, okay? And I said, well, I did. And then we started the interview, and I started talking, and she was so blown away because whatever we talked about, I could talk about because I had studied so much. I had thought so much. I mean, I was, you know, I just read and read and read and meditated and had dreams, and so I had been dealing in that world forever, so even though I was only 25 or 21 when I first I wrote my first book, I had the knowledge that was way beyond my years at that time. And then out of that, she said, well, let's do a second radio show. So we did a second radio show. And after that, she said, well, if you want to hear Michelle Karen again, kindly write to the radio station. At the time, we would go to a radio station and a microphone. I miss those times, actually. Now, it, you know, we do it on the phone, and we're each in our home, and it's nice and easy, but it was nice when we had to go in a studio with a microphone and everything. And um, and then hundreds of letters came in, and uh, people were writing from everywhere. 
And then I got invited for six months every Sunday, and it was the radio show. Uh, it was the only radio show in Switzerland at the time that was talking about metaphysical topics. And people recorded those uh, those shows. It went around Switzerland for at least ten years. In the meanwhile, I'm, I immigrated to the States. I came to L.A., and people were still finding me in L.A. It was amazing, just from those radio shows. Even though when I moved to L.A., I went into something completely different. I, I was a little burned out by that time, and I was I was actually very burned out, and um, I was ready to change my life completely, and I became an actress, and that was a whole other story how I fell into that. But... Um, <laughs> But then, you know, years later, you can't escape your destiny, I guess, and astrology found me again, and here I am. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Well, but you know what? We're, we want to make sure that we have enough time here. I want you to do a capsulation of 2013. What is it going to look like? And... um well, I would say 2013 is a six year. So numerologically, if you add uh, 2013, it adds up to six, which is connected in astrology to Venus, love, peace, harmony, balance. Uh, it could be a year where there's a little more. There will be a sense of chaos until about March, April, when we have the next um, the next uh, um, Scorpio eclipse in Scorpio. And uh, and there's going to be still a lot of breaking down of the old system. And after May, things are going to become calmer. And actually, if you look around, most people have plans until March. And after that, nobody knows what they're going to do. And a lot of us are going to completely reinvent their lives. We're going to reinvent our relationships. We're going to reinvent our careers. We're going to reinvent where we live. There's really going to be a sense of we are, the worst is behind us, and we are really shifting to a whole new level. So the most important um, aspect, which actually started in June of 2012, and we're going to have seven of those until uh, May of 2015, is going to happen um, around May 20th, and it's the third of this Uranus square Pluto. And this is about the self-destruction of what is not and the destruction of the lies, of the facades, of all the things that never were true. And the old consciousness is gradually being replaced by a light, positive, more peaceful, harmonious consciousness that is leading to social structures that are much more in alignment with our divine truth. And then Jupiter is going to enter Cancer between uh, June 27, 2013 and July 17, 2014. And that's also a time uh, for the next 12 months of an increased sense of family. And it's not just going to be our, our, our blood family. It's really going to be our spiritual family coming together with like-spirited people. And we will become also more globally concerned um, by the welfare of over the welfare of children. We will become uh, also deeper um, aware of what it means to be a mother, to have children. Um, you know that education starts before birth, 
And we are going to be also taking more pride in our homes, making our, our homes places of healing. And it could be also that people start to get together, like-spirited people, and get a big house together and live more in community, and where they are sharing their gifts with each other and creating a cell of new consciousness. And um, <clears throat> and I would say that our homes are going to be places that help us expand our spiritual understanding and we are going to have also a greater sense and appreciation for what makes us feel more abundant and more um, healed. So there's just going to be a period, a little bit of social unrest between July 17 and December 17 when Uranus becomes retrograde in Aries. Uh, there could be rebelliousness. There could be a lot of places where evolution has been stifled that starts to you know boil over and that could mean the overthrowing of some tyrannical governments or you know the end of slavery or the end of uh, you know places that have been uh, kept under the control of the church or of you know certain um, um, you know, political uh, domination that's been more enslaving than freeing. That's really a time where people are going to start, you know, wanting something else. And that could be also a time where there's amazing inventions that start to happen, that we become absolutely telepathic. We absolutely are starting to use our inner psychic abilities in very unusual ways. And we start to also be able to uh, bilocate or be in different places. We may also feel we need less food. You know, we need to eat less. We are more able to draw on our consciousness and uh, on light. Yeah, I can see some of that starting to happen now. Absolutely. That's why, you know, it's not like, you know, people think, oh my God, the 22nd of December we'll wake up, everything will be changed. No, that's not true. That is not true. We, It's a gradual transformation, but there's definitely going to be, as we are seeing now in December, a huge acceleration, and that's going to continue in 2013. So it will slow down a little bit. It's not going to be as intense and dramatic as it is now because... Everybody is bursting, but the good news of when everything is going so fast is that we cannot hold on to the lies. We cannot hold on to the untruths about ourselves, and everything is coming in the open. So I hear some people say, oh, my God, what is this whole thing about the golden age? Because everything is becoming worse and darker. Well, no, it isn't, because, but it's more visible. That's the difference. And because it's more visible, it looks like there's more darkness in the world. But the truth is, it's just being exposed. Thank you. Thank God it's being exposed because, you know, those facades uh, can't exist anymore. And now we need to be in alignment with our hearts. And 2013, because of the connection with Venus, is about being in connection with our bliss, doing things we love. We will create money when we do what we love and what we believe in. So there won't be the sense of scarcity at all. There's going to be actually a sense of incredible abundance for those who are following their bliss and who are living where they want to live and who are in relationships that they want to be in. Well, it looks like it's certainly some good things to look forward to. And with everybody coming together on uh, the 21st and bringing all of this 
beautiful, wonderful energy, that's going to put this action in turbo. Absolutely. I mean, imagine there's going to be celebrations, ceremonies, gatherings of like-spirited people who are consciously bringing the golden age all over the planet in all the major spiritual centers, in the pyramids in Egypt, in Glastonbury, in Maui, in Peru, in uh, everywhere. And, And even if you cannot go anywhere, I'm saying to people, wherever you are, make it a sacred space. And even if it's in your own home, if it's in the middle of the, you know, an urban setting, it doesn't matter, you know. Just wherever you are, make it a sacred space. Connect with the light. Connect with the love. Connect with the vision of a world of peace, a world of immortality, a world of integrity, a world of happiness for all. Because in the end, the most fundamental need It's not money, it's not even love, it's happiness. And once we have this sense of happiness in our lives, everything else is fine. You know, even if we don't have quite enough money to travel or do the things we want, we still have happiness and we still can be grateful for all the beautiful things around us. What uh, what lovely words to end our show with. (laughs) So let's give out your website one more time so people can... uh Enjoy your wisdom. So it's uh, Karen so I have two first names, <laughs> .com. And uh, also if uh, I have a newsletter every month where I give, you know, updates on what's going on astrologically and, um, and personal readings, so my books are there trip and my shaman sessions and in uh, actually the 1st of February I will be coming out with a new version of my website that will be brand new that we're working on right now that I'm very excited about. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We know that you're really busy getting ready for your trip to Peru and we really appreciate you taking time to be with us. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you, Taz. It was really a great pleasure. Thank you to all of you who've been listening or who are going to be listening. Um, This was really a wonderful, blessed time of co-creation. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.